0: I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a doctor, and one was a queen, and one was a shepherdess on the green, they were all of saints of God and I be God help me to be
1: one, too. Welcome to Tea Time Theology. My name is Taylor Wilkie. I will be your host for this episode. And today I am joined by Father Robert Black, Rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in uh, Salisbury, North Carolina, and he is also the host of the Behold and Become podcast. Welcome. Robert. Thank you. It's good to be with you, Taylor. As this is the first episode of the season, I figured we'll give our guests a little insight into what we're going to be talking about today. This season of Tea Time Theology, we are lovingly calling it Bumper Sticker Bible. We'll be talking to clergy about commonly seen religious uh, sayings that are commonly placed on the bumper stickers on the back of cars, Uh, their meaning, uh, how they relate to scripture, uh, and generally how they make us feel when we're stuck in traffic uh, for hours on end. So, Robert, you picked, if you died, do you know where you would spend eternity? There's a lot to unpack there.
2: There uh, is, yeah.
1: And I, I think the the first place that we should start is, in the Episcopal tradition, where do Episcopals spend eternity?
3: Well, so um, one of the questions, that I'm sure that a lot of your, your audience knows this, but the Episcopal Church doesn't have um, a set of, of doctrines or dogmas that sort of says this is what you must believe. Um, we tend to really have a Book of Common Prayer that directs us towards where we believe um, and and how and, and what what the basis of our faith is. Um, and so when we think about something like the the burial liturgy in the Book of Common Prayer, um, we we the prayers and the language. Um, Often talks about being at rest, uh, being at peace, uh, being with Jesus, um, but it doesn't get into specifics. It, does, it doesn't give us a, a mailing address. It doesn't. It doesn't set the scene and sort of say um, what exactly it's like. Um, of course, in our tradition, the Bible is supremely important, and, and often the readings that are used uh, at funerals can help us to to explore that question a little bit more deeply. Um, Generally, what I say, and I want to make it clear, too, that, that I'm speaking for, for Robert Black. I, I, I do not speak for the Episcopal Church. Uh, you would have to get, I don't know, Michael Curry or someone like that to speak for the Episcopal Church. Um, the way I've always handled the topic, though, really goes to um, the passage when Jesus is on the cross, and there's the thief next to him who, who says, um, you know, this guy's not being crucified justly. Yeah, we're criminals, but he's innocent. And Jesus says to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And I think that's probably as much as Christians can definitively say. And what I often tell people about is, I I don't know. I've never been dead before that I'm aware of. Um, I've not been to the other side. uh, And so I I can't say with any certainty. But what Jesus says there, and, and that promise is enough for me, that when Jesus says, you will be with me, that's fine. That's all I need to know. Uh, um, so for me, it's not so much about the where do we go, but it's who are we with. Mm-hmm. And if we're with Jesus, if we're with our good shepherd, it doesn't really matter where I am. Because if I'm with Jesus, I, I trust that everything's going to be okay.
2: Mm.
1: That's very different. I was, uh, and my listeners know this, um, I, I was not raised in the Episcopal tradition. I was, I was brought up Roman Catholic. There's a joke around St. Luke's my my saint luke's in east Greenwich yeah, Rhode yeah. island um where a lot of a lot of people there are what we call recovering catholics uh recovering roman catholics where we've kind of left and found the episcopal faith that's just a little bit more i guess palatable so this idea that there is a no there there in the episcopal faith there is no specific heaven or hell is i guess interesting to me because it's kind of like right
3: and it yeah. Yeah. And it's not so much that there is no heaven or there is no hell. It's um, just that really, if we if we really dive into these issues, which, again, I, you know, I'm a priest. I've been to seminary. I, you know, I enjoy these things. I read about them, But I am no means an expert. You know, I, I don't have a a Ph.D. in studying the afterlife or anything like that. Absolutely. I
1: like to say um, that but, um, yeah. in the uh, in the podcast here, we are uh, there's a lot of sloppy talk that goes on here.
2: Yeah, yeah. We're not trying
1: okay, to get, we'll get it right. right. We're just trying to talk all about right. it, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I can I can do some sloppy talk.
3: And so one of the things that that we know from Scripture is that our common way that we think about the afterlife, heaven, hell, death, all these things, it's actually influenced a lot more by Dante and Milton by um, um, uh, Paradise and, and Purgatory um, and, and Paradise Lost, the Divine Comedy. Mm-hmm. These sorts of things have much more of an actual cultural influence than scripture does. Um, because most of the imagery and the ways that we think about heaven and hell are actually coming from these, these literary works. Mm. Um, no certainly Dante and Milton, they were, they were religious people. I mean, they, they, they knew the stories. They were, they were playing off of them, but they're, they're, uh, they're works of fiction. I mean, it would be as if, you know, so I love, I absolutely love um, C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm. but if someone went around and acted as if like, no, 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 this is really how it is. Like, like there really is a lion. Like, and and we're going to see that when we get to heaven, there really, he really is a lion. Mm. I'd be like, well, maybe that's going a little bit too far. Um, and, um, and so again, a lot of the thing, when we think about, um, heaven and hell, we are often influenced by these literary works more than we are scripture. Um, and so what scripture has to say about heaven really is not, what most folks talk about in the church. Um, And and so, yeah, and we could go deeper into that or we could go somewhere else where you'd like to direct.
1: Oh, yeah, let's keep going. I mean, you mentioned uh, uh, Dante's Inferno and then you said Milton. I'm not sure what that refers to. I am. Yeah, um, I'm. Okay. And what is that? I don't, I'm not familiar with that at all.
3: Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, one of those things that, gosh, I'm trying to think when, when we had to read it. Um, I know it was English class, I forget if it was high school or college, but you know, one of those just long works. Mm. Um, and it really is lovely. I mean, very, very poetic. Um, and it's um, essentially the story of Paradise Lost. Um, again, you've got to remember that it, it's, you know, riffing on traditions and legends and things like this developing into a story, but, but he's riffing on the fall of Satan. Mm. Um, and how is it that, that Paradise was lost? Um, and so, so, you know, so it's a, essentially a, an epic poem of sorts that's um, fictionalizing. I mean, it's fan fiction essentially mm-hmm. on, on Genesis, right? On what, what, was, what was the backstory to Adam and Eve? What was happening when the writer of Genesis put the pen down? You know, what was happening between these conversations that we know about from Scripture? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, a lot of what we, we tend to think about um, Satan but also um, heaven, particularly hell, as well, mm-hmm. um, is actually coming out of uh, Milton's work more than it is the s-
1: scriptures. Okay, that's just I did not know that. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's bad on me, I guess. I run, I run a Christian no, podcast. Um, I should yeah. know these things, but no, I don't. No, it's, um, no, it's, yeah,
3: yeah. That's well, uh, one of those things that's below the surface, and, and most people, you know, that's the interesting thing about about knowledge is is most of us don't necessarily know how we know things we Mm. we know a lot of things but but, yeah well how is it that you know that well i don't know that's just what i've always heard and then you start to sort of go deep and you realize oh okay well some of that's maybe right but some of that's maybe coming in from from this other source that's Mm. maybe not quite as as scriptural
1: Mm. um the uh i mean man you just like blew my mind with the whole like (laughs) there's no heaven or hell kind of thing going on like I guess I'm just like I said I'm holding on to this like Catholic Roman yeah. Catholic guilt thing yeah. Yeah. in the back of my head all the time and uh, so so I, I do want to be clear though I mean
3: I do think and I think scripture's clear that there is heaven and hell okay it's just not quite as clean as you die and you go to one of those two places um so in so it, you know I mentioned the thief on the cross mm. um and Jesus says you'll be with me today in paradise. Now, we often just think, oh, paradise equals heaven. Mm. Not not really in the language of Scripture. In Scripture, th- there are different things. Um, and so now what exactly, we don't know. I mean, Jesus doesn't sit down and draw us a map and say, now now here's paradise and here's heaven and you're going to be mm. with me in this place. And, but but he- heaven seems to be the um, the culminating place of God. It is where God ultimately is. And of course, this is. And I'm leaning heavily here on, on the work of N.T. Wright, and of course, N.T. Wright is leaning on others, but N.T. But mm. Wright is the one that I listen to, um, and certainly he learned from others. Um, but this notion of, and it's all in Scripture. We just got to pay attention to what's in Scripture. Okay. Is that the what we see in Revelation is that God intends to come here to dwell with creation. It's not about getting creation up to God. This whole trajectory of Scripture is about God coming to be with us. Um, And we see that in Jesus, of course, right? Mm. I mean, so God's plan of salvation is not to just destroy the world and take everyone to heaven. I mean, that could have been an option, right? Mm. Um, But instead, God comes to us in Jesus and that's a vision of the end of all things as well. And again, the end of Revelation is clear on this. Um, It's about heaven coming down as a bride adorned for her husband. Mm. um and it's about the the marriage of heaven and earth but it happens here not there Mm. um and so heaven is is often um scripturally um that place of of god's residence that will one day come here and again jesus taught us to pray this right it's right in the Mm. lord's prayer Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven Mm. i mean so we pray it all the time and we don't necessarily realize that often in the way we think about heaven we 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 reverse that. We mix it up. Um, we often think, oh, no, no, the goal is to, to get to heaven and to leave earth. But no, Jesus said, pray that heaven will come on earth. Um, and so this the, the notion that um, we die and instantly go to heaven, um, again, is just not really the witness of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Old Testament, of course, there, there's... Um, for a long part, scholars debate whether or not, you know, what the conception of the afterlife is that, you know, it's this, this shady underworld type place called Sheol, um, reminiscent of Hades from, from um, Greek uh, mythology. Um, and then there comes to be a sense of resurrection as well. And, and we see this in, um, in Jesus' um, conversations with Pharisees and Sadducees that, that they're asking him about resurrection. Because it's a live issue. One group doesn't really believe in the concept of resurrection, of an afterlife. And another group does. And so they're asking Jesus, which side are you? Um, and then in the New Testament, um, we don't really see anyone talking about, well, you got to follow Jesus because you want to go to heaven when you die, don't you? I mean, that just doesn't come up. You, and you would think that if that was a major concern, that it would just be all over the pages of Acts and Romans yeah. and 1 Corinthians But, I mean, Paul doesn't seem to be too worried about where people spend eternity. Um, He seems to be having a lot to say about the lordship of Christ overall, Mm -hmm. um, and he has a lot to say about how we treat one another in the meantime. Um, So it's not to say that heaven doesn't exist, because I very much think it does. It's just that it might not be um, what happens instantaneously at death. Um, Mm -hmm. Often the New Testament speaks of death as as a sleep of sorts and so some scholars actually think that you know that that we are with jesus in paradise whatever that is perhaps it's it's the garden of eden sort of remade restored Mm -hmm. um, awaiting the final culmination of all things when all things are made well when heaven and earth are joined as god fully intends Um, so i think that's more of the the biblical heaven is Um, but again in our common thinking of it it's just like oh no no, no. you like you you know you fall you, you die here the next thing you know you're sitting around some like awesome family banquet table and like playing harps and on the clouds and all this sort of stuff right mm-hmm. um but again that's not really a scriptural image and, and i'll tell you it's one of those things too that i am uh, sometimes I have to be careful about where i talk about these so i don't i don't bring this up in funeral sermons yeah. Um, because that's not the right place for it. But it could be a very disconcerting, uh, uncomfortable thing to have that rug pulled out. Well, what do you mean that I don't go to heaven when I die? Um, and again, I, to me, the question is not where; it's with who. Right. And and we are with Jesus. And as long
1: as we're with Jesus, I, like I said, I'm not worried about anything if I'm with Jesus. Mm. So if when we die, we kind of just go as a faithful person, we just go. To be with Jesus. Um, you know what's this whole like immortal and mortal sin thing about? Or am I still holding on to my Roman Catholic guilt thing again?
3: Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and like I said, with the obvious caveat that I've n- never been dead. Um, <laughs> so, so this is this is not this is not a firsthand report. Um, you know, there's actually a, a quote about death that I that I actually really like, um, and I and I do use this often. And the quote is that uh, death is a horizon, but a horizon is nothing except for the limit of our sight. You know, so you're standing up at, at the beach looking out. Um, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in South Florida, so we'd go to the beach often. And I'd look out there, I'd look across, and I'd, oh, I wonder if I could see France or Germany. Or, you know, Can, could I see all the way across? Well, obviously I can't, right? Mm. Um, because the horizon is... Blocks your sight, essentially. I mean, it's the Earth's curvature. I mean, you can't yeah. see beyond that, but that doesn't mean those places aren't there. Um, they very much are, and so I think heaven is sort of on the other side of that horizon of death. You know, yeah. on on our shore, we can only see so far. So again, everything I'm saying, of course, has to be held um, tentatively and always said humbly, knowing that 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 we're, you know, we're we're seeing through a glass dimly, uh, at best. Um, But no, so at at death, I would assume that we are received into the arms of love and mercy and peace of our Good Shepherd. Hmm. Um, I think that whatever sins, shortcomings, faults that we have done, known and unknown, things done and left undone, as the confession says, I think those are all atoned for. I think Jesus has taking care of it all. So I I have a very, very high view of the cross. Mm. Um, I think when, when Jesus said it is finished, I think he meant it. Uh, and I think he had the authority to say it. And I think that the cross was fully effective full stop. Um, I I don't think that there's any work that needs to be added to the work of the cross. Mm. Um, um, and I, and I, again, I think that the, the Eucharistic prayers of our tradition, especially Rite 1, talks about the, the fullness and the sufficiency of Christ's death and resurrection. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I will be the first one to tell you that I am a notorious sinner um, who absolutely relies on the mercy and grace of God. Um, and by my, on my own merits, you know, if there were a judgment at my death, I would be found lacking. No question about that. Um, but what we, what what I do think what scripture tells us um, and, and St. Paul, I think is quite clear on this is that we, um, we are given the righteousness of Christ. And so when we are judged, we are not, I'm, I will not be judged as Robert Black. I will be judged as one who has been redeemed by Jesus Christ. Um, and that's good. And, and like I said, that, that that's as good as it gets. Um, that's full coverage. And, um, so as far as things like purgatory and these sorts of things, again, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe somehow if there are rough edges that need to get taken off, I trust that they will get taken off in love. Um, you know, I have mentioned C.S. Lewis already uh, and, and the Narnia series, but there's that great scene in um, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader uh, where Eustace is, is the, uh, a boy. Um, that, that goes into Narnia and he and this is this just brilliant metaphor, I think, um, that, that Lewis has for baptism and new life. Um but he he sees a, a dragon's lair um and, and goes into the dragon's lair and he covets the gold and the jewels that are there and he takes them and he soon finds that he has himself become a dragon. Mm. Um and and he doesn't want to be a dragon anymore. And so Aslan, the lion, the, the Christ figure, comes to him and begins to help him heal. And the way he helps him heal is by using his lion's claws to strip the scales off. And, and I'm not going to remember it from, from memory. It's, it's been a while since I've read, read the book to our daughters. But um, But he... The line is something like, it hurt something sore, but it was the best feeling in the world at the same time. And so if mm-hmm. there is a purgatorial purging of things, I think it must be something like that, where it is it is done in love and the things that are being removed are things that we want gone anyway. And so, yeah, maybe maybe there's some sense of pain with it. Um, and then the way Lewis concludes the scene is, is that he tells the, the boy to go wash, um, to get their last of the scales off. And of course, you know, this is the great metaphor for baptism. Right. And and, and he does, and he's made new. Um, and, and so if that sort of thing needs to happen after death, then, then again, I, I trust that Jesus is going to do what needs to be done.
1: Mm. I love that. I, um, I mean, this is a tangent, um, but that's what podcasts are for. Um, absolutely. Um, I absolutely love whenever anybody on that I interview uh, brings up of, I mean, other than the Bible, but like a, a famous work of literature or media or something that makes a great uh, metaphor for Christ and religion and God and all that. Because I just, it, it's just so much easier to, it's so much easier on the palate because you're, it, there's, there's always something heavy about, the bible and going to church and study and all that um it just seems as though all of these other things are just so much more accessible to the general public mm-hmm. um and uh i don't know and that was just like a really great example of that and yeah
3: yeah oh, well thank you yeah but and you know yeah so i'll i i can not recommend the narnia series highly enough so our um our oldest daughter is nine and I don't know, So three, four years ago, I read the whole series to her. Our youngest daughter is now six and we're about halfway through the series. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, I never, as a kid, I did not read all of them. I read a couple of the books, mm. but I tell you, when I was reading them to our oldest daughter, I mean, I was just blown away by how masterfully Lewis was telling the Christian story through these books and, um, And it really is. I can't. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's never read the whole series, I mean, they are they are not children's books. I promise they are absolutely for adults. Um, Yeah. Because there's just so much resonance with with what he's writing about in a Christian story. But he does it in a way that's um, just, yeah, more captivating to our modern, um, to our modern years of sorts. Mm. Um, And then when you sort of understand what Lewis is doing, you
1: sort of see, uh, okay yeah, now I get it. Now I get it. We just finished a pop culture season um, mm, two seasons okay. ago, I think, yeah. where we, okay. you know, yeah. we do we don't, it, it was my season to write and I, um, yeah, and I, so I, 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 just, I picked a lot of Star Trek um, because uh, yeah, like yeah. Star Trek's like really great for that. Um, so maybe yeah. we'll, if we ever pick it up again, maybe we'll have a C.S. Lewis episode and have you back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because um, yeah. that sounds like there's so much more to dig into than just what you said. Um, we could probably yeah. talk for hours on that yes yes well i guess uh i guess it's soapbox time um you picked if you died uh do you know where you would spend eternity well i guess the 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 first question would be why did you pick that particular bumper sticker and where have you seen it before
3: yeah so um so it all Honestly, I'm not sure I've ever actually seen it on an actual bumper sticker. Okay. But I know that I have seen this on billboards. Oh, um, yeah. So I am, I am in North Carolina. Um, generally, especially once you get outside the major – the big cities, you, you see a lot of um, these sorts of, of signs, places. But in particular, there's a, a retreat center um, about an hour and a half from from where I live That's often will do vestry retreats there and those sorts of things. And there is – on the way there, there is a billboard that exactly this. Is, you know, it's a black background, yellow font. I can see it in my mind right now. If you die today, you know where you would spend eternity. Um, and of course, I, I, I don't know. I would have to ask the person that put up the billboard what their they're thinking is. Um, are you trying to scare people? Are you trying to guilt them? Are you trying to what? I, I don't know. Um, that's where I've seen it. But what I really the reason why I chose it is I really don't like it. Um, hmm. And what I don't like about it is several things. For one, I've already mentioned that it, it, we're misunderstanding a lot about heaven and afterlife. But I think it also really, really demeans Christianity in general. Um, it, it turns, I, in my mind, it, it turns our faith into like a board game where... where, or a quiz, like, did you get the right answer? I, I really, really don't think that god created everything 14 billion years ago let things evolve over a slow gradual process only to be to call a nation that was this tiny group of people out of abraham uh and, and to bring them to this promised land and then to be born of a peasant girl and then to have the, the church and all that's come from it, all, all all that just to see can you give the right answer I mean, I, I just doesn't mm. that just doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me. And, and so th- that phrase, do you know where you would spend eternity? It reduces everything to just that. And, and again, I think Christianity is so much bigger. It's so much more beautiful. Mm. So much more profound. And it has so much more relevance for every moment of our lives, not just the moment of our death. Mm. Um, so that's a part of it. Part of it, though, is is that just the hubris to be able to say, Oh, I know where I am going. It's like, I'm not going to say that, that that's God's business. Mm. Um, not mine. Um, and so I really think that there's just a, um, an arrogance in asking that question with an assumed answer. Uh, cause again, I, I'm assuming, and maybe, maybe that that's my fault, but, but mm. I'm assuming that the person that put up this billboard or the, or makes these bumper stickers, they would say that they know where they're going. Um, and again, that, there's just an arrogance in that that I'm not comfortable with. Now, I do want to be clear. Jesus promises us that we will be with him in paradise. And mm. Jesus' promise is good. I would take that one to the bank. Mm. So in a sense, I do know where I would spend eternity. And it would be with Jesus. Mm. Um, but again, I would never ask that question because of, again, this just embedded sense of, well, of course I know. The, the sense of uh, that heaven is something that is Owed to us mm. somehow um, I think it also misunderstands what eternity is right I mean eternity yeah. is just time without end so I mean eternity it has begun right eternity doesn't start when I die the clock on eternity so to speak of course there's no there's no clock on eternity but, right. but you know what I'm saying <laughs> it's already begun it's already begun right so do I know where I would spend eternity well you're spending part of eternity right now mm. um, and again hopefully, it's with Jesus, and, and of course, by faith we say, and, and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are with Jesus right now. Yeah, it's just that we'll come to be Him with a in a more fully way. Um, and again, I and then the other, the last piece of it that really irks me is that it, I think it has this twinge of uh, of what the classic dichotomy of works as opposed to grace, hmm. um, because I think the assumption in that question is. Have you done the correct thing to decide your outcome for eternity? And again, that makes the work of salvation ours instead of Christ's. Mm. Because again, as as I've said, I think the cross did what it was supposed to do. And so I don't think I need to say anything. I don't think I need to do anything uh, in order for the cross to be effective. Mm. Um, Now, yes, I can do things to receive more fully the gift of salvation, the gift of grace. But if I refuse it, that doesn't make it not a gift that doesn't Mm -hmm. make it not effective. That doesn't mean that the price wasn't paid. You know I mean? If I, if I go to the store and buy a gift for someone and they don't accept it, that doesn't change the fact that I actually went to the store, actually paid money for it Mm. and actually gave it to them. Right. I mean, it's still a gift. Um, and it's still theirs, even if it just gets left on the doorstep. Um, but it's still a gift. And, And so I think, um, The question, do you know where you spend eternity? Again, it just makes it sound like, have you done what you're supposed to do? Hmm. And I think that's the wrong, that's just the wrong way of thinking of faith. Um, Instead, we get to enjoy what Christ has done for us. We don't need to worry about what we need to do.
1: You were talking about how there, there isn't going to be a test when we die. Um, And there's a, there's actually, and that, that made me think of a really great show that i just finished watching called uh, the good place have you heard of that i have heard i've not seen it but i have heard of it it's yes. very good um and it, the, the premise is is that you know there's a good place and there's a bad place and if you're good you go to the good right. place if you're bad you go to the bad place but throughout the show but at one point in the show we find out what actually determines whether or not you go to the good place or the bad place and like things like you said buying a gift for somebody that's a good thing So that would be yeah, would go towards your good points. Um, But like you know, stepping on someone's foot on purpose—that's a bad thing. So you would get bad points. Um, But then it turns out in the show that uh, no one has been admitted to the good place in thousands of years because they were they were tallying points wrong for a for thousands of years. They would say like, okay, sure, you bought your wife roses, good, right? But the roses were grown in. Uh, less than stellar conditions uh, using mm-hmm. uh, using pretty much slave labor to uh, to pick them and grow them and they weren't very mm-hmm. uh, eco-friendly to begin with. So <laughs> it turns out yeah. that the good thing you did is outweighed by all the bad things that you're supporting by giving yeah. them your money. And that's just a really great allegory, I think, for what you say, that there is not going to be a test. Um, yeah, because I, if there I, is I a test, there's that so many not. variables... To consider what's good and what's bad, um, they That's actually. Right. That's right. Yeah, they actually did a. Uh, they actually made a joke that there's a uh, there's a certain there's a certain chicken sandwich that if you buy, um, you immediately don't go to heaven because the company <laughs> who makes the chicken sandwich is really not okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I think we um, all know which yeah. chicken sandwich I'm talking about. Yeah, um, we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good chicken sandwich, though. I've never had it. <laughs> Um. Uh, now well, we can...
3: there's a lo- there, there's a lot of them down in the south. There's yeah, we
1: that yeah we we just started getting uh getting them uh eight nine years ago. I think we only have like okay. three in my area now. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Uh, maybe I'll give yeah, them a try anyway. one day. In your notes that you sent back to me, you mentioned that the the idea of this is misunderstanding salvation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, first of all, what is salvation, and how and how does the uh this quote misunderstand it
3: right um so obviously a huge question what is salvation um you know again g- going to scripture I-, I think that's always a place to turn to um jesus and i'm thinking here of the opening of luke uh luke chapter four when he's quoting isaiah um and he talks about you know i've come to proclaim good news to bring recovery to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to, to give freedom to the captives, to, the, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the Lord's jubilee. Um, in all, Jesus never talks about, um, well, I shouldn't say never, mm-hmm. very rarely is Jesus um, sort of talking about, hey, folks. Um, do you know where you want to spend eternity? Do you, do, you want to, do you want to burn? Or do you want to come, like, strum the harp with me up in heaven? Th- this just isn't a—it um, it doesn't seem to be a concern of Jesus. Um, the salvation that he tends to speak of, I, I think, is of um, really three things, right? I mean, so the first is idolatry. I mean, that's probably, I think, the, the biggest thing that Jesus talks about and wants to free us from, to give us salvation from, is from all the idols, um, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is where we find truth and wholeness and goodness. And so I think this is why he has such harsh things to say about money um, and things like these idols that we live for. So he's seeking to liberate us from all these idols. Um, and idolatry, of course, is, is the greatest sin of the Old Testament. That That's where everyone gets into trouble is idolatry in one way or another. I mean, sometimes it's wealth. Sometimes it's power. Sometimes it's actually other gods um, but the other gods are always in service of something else, you know—a harvest, a military victory, a, a, a whatever. Um, so I think Jesus frees us from idolatry in saying you can worship the one true living God who loves you. Um, so that's one part of salvation. Um, I think another part is obviously salvation from sin, from the effects of of sin, from the 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 snare that we're caught in. Um, you, you might think of of um, you know sin as something like a, it has this gravitational pull on us, right? And there's mm, nothing absolutely. we can do to, to, to get away from it. Um, but Jesus, you know, to run with this metaphor, he's that rocket ship, right? He puts us on his ship and he's got the escape velocity to break the gravity uh, and to free us from that. Now, that doesn't mean that we will live sin free, but we are free from the, the, the effects of sin. It mm. means that sin does not own us. Um, Brian Stevenson, um, who um, does the equal justice initiative out of um, Alabama, one of his great quotes is that no one is the worst thing that they've ever done. And that's true because of Jesus, Mm. Um, because he liberates us, saves us from the consequences of our sins. And then I do think the third thing that Jesus saves us from is eternal death, um, from death being an end um what i like to say about this one is um and again i am the last time i took a physics class was in 12th grade uh and i am a long way away from 12th grade 12th grade was uh like 20 years ago good news is they don't change the rules very often so that's right so so (laughs) i don't so i might so i might be getting this wrong that's all i'm saying so if you know physics out there my apologies um, but there's a, there's a law of thermo, thermodynamics, right, that says that matter can neither be created nor destroyed, only changed. I think that there's a the law of not thermodynamics, but of love. And I think the law of love says anything that is loved by God can never be destroyed or lost. Mm-hmm. So even in death, even when the body is disintegrated into dust, even when that person's been dead for a thousand years and no one remembers their name um, because they were a relative nobody in history, like most of us will be, Mm -hmm. Um, God doesn't forget us. And if God loves us because of who God is, it is impossible for God to love something that does not exist. God's very love for it gives it its continuing existence. And so when I think about Jesus saving us from death, it's in that sense of love. That we are always held in that love. And again, if God loves something, it has to be real. It has to exist. And maybe it's in a different form. Maybe it's not bodily. Maybe I don't even know what a spiritual form would be, um, which gets us to a whole other thing about the afterlife. Mm. Um, nowhere in scripture does it talk about you know the, the soul leaves the body and the body is just a shell. No, no, no. Resurrection is about our physical bodies being resurrected, not reanimated. Mm-hmm. Um, but resurrected, and we see this in Jesus, of course. Um, I mean he he doesn't show up as a ghost. The gospel writers are very clear. Um, he's not a ghost. He is he has transcended the physical, so he walks through walls and these sorts of things. He's not recognizable immediately to the disciples, but he also eats fish, um, and this is a very clear. I mean, gospel mm-hmm. writers are, are being very clear. He he has a body. Um, you know, he says to Thomas, if "You want to look? Come look." Um, so he is, he is physical, but he's also more than physical in resurrection. Um, and so whatever death would be otherwise, again, body, soul, not, not worrying about all that, but Jesus saves us from oblivion. He, he saves us from being forgotten from non-existence, um, from that state of death that has no end. Um, so I think those are the three things that he saves us from, 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 um, idolatry, um, from,
1: from sin and from death. Well, Robert, I think that's a great place to end. Um, do you have any final thoughts for, for my listening audience?
3: I, I don't, but uh, again, um, thank you so much for this opportunity to be with you all um, and for, for listening to this episode. Uh, and I wish you all the best and that you might know God's love and peace and joy for you all.
1: All right. We also we always end the podcast the same way. We ask our guests uh, if someone wanted to come see you preaching on a Sunday, where Mm -hmm. should they go?
3: Um, There are well, St. Luke's in downtown Salisbury is a absolutely stunning, gorgeous, beautiful historic church full of wonderful, amazing people. Um, So I would love to see you in person. But if you can't come in person, um, you could find us. uh, We stream on Facebook Live. Um, our uh, main liturgy is at ten thirty on Sundays. Um, if you just look for St. Luke's Salisbury, you'll find it there. Um, and we also have a, in addition to the podcast that I do, "Behold Me Come." We also have a sermon podcast. And if you just look for St. Luke's Salisbury, or go to our church website, it's uh, www.sls.church. Um, you'll find links to both the sermon podcast where you can listen. Um, or you will find um, the Behold and Become podcast link there there as
1: well. All right. And uh, we say this, but it usually doesn't happen. But um, hopefully you'll be able to check the description and all those links will be there. Um, But uh, if not, just, like I said, reach out. uh, Either reach out directly to Robert from his uh, contacts that he said here or reach out to us at the podcast. Um, we, We would really like to hear from you. Um, if, uh, if you like what we're doing, if you don't like what we're doing, it doesn't matter. Um, we just want to hear from you guys. Uh, we like I said, we've been doing this for five years at this point, and, uh, we really don't hear from, from anybody that often, but there are listeners. So, um, let us know. Um, and if there's a topic that you want, uh, us to talk about, drops drop us a line. Maybe we'll work it into a season or maybe it will become an entire season. Anyway, This has been Taylor Wilkie for Tea Time Theology. Our guest today, the Father Robert Black, Rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. Find him on his podcast, Behold and Become. That is downloadable anywhere. Find podcasts or download it. Okay, Rob, thank you so much for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: They live not only in ages past, there are hundreds of thousands still. The world is bright with the joyous saints who love to do Jesus' will. You can meet them in school, or in lanes, or at sea, in church, or in trains, or in shops, or at tea. For the saints of God are just folk like me, and I mean to be
1: one too. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology, a ministry of St. John's Cathedral in Rhode Island. We would like to thank our producers, Ivy Swinsky and Taylor Wilkie. Special thanks to Moa Conde and David Hines for our music. Our sponsors, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nisley, as well as our guests today. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias.